Church, I pray that you'll join us this morning in asking the Lord to make his people united, standing together, seeking the Lord, seeking the Spirit of God to make his people, to make his church, to make his bride one. And to do that just this morning, I want us to turn our attention to God's word and to hear from him. And we'll be in Psalm 133 this morning. But what a time in which to live. What a time in which we live. This year has already been quite the year. 2020 has been quite the year. And right now we know this, our country uh, remains deeply divided. Much fighting today, disunity today over politics, over policing practices, over The right response to a pandemic over free speech and justice, religious liberty, economics, and racial inequality. Church, in the midst of upheaval and unrest, more than anything else, we need to hear from God. We need to hear from the Lord. The truth is we've all got an opinion. Every human has an opinion, but every human with an opinion is tainted with with pride, including you and including me. So what you need this morning is not to hear from me. What I need is not to hear from myself. We we need to hear from the Lord. So let's hear from Him. Let's open His Word. Let's invite Him to speak to us once again. And so today we return to the book of Psalms. And like last week, we're looking at a pilgrim psalm, also called a song of ascent, meaning that these psalms were sung by Israelite pilgrims who were journeying up, ascending up Mount Zion to worship the Lord at the temple in Jerusalem. In other words, faithful Jews would use this song and they would use it regularly. They would particularly use it each year for various religious festivals as they came together. It was part of their their singing, part of their celebration, part of their praying. Remember that the book of Psalms was their hymn book. And so the more they read it, the more they heard it, the more they sang it, the more they knew it. And like our hymns, the book of Psalms, the Psalter taught God's people how to know Him, how to worship Him, and how to live for Him. And so one of the songs that they would sing on these religious occasions, these journeys, special journeys for corporate worship was our psalm for today, our text for today. It's only three verses, Psalm 133 in it. It reads this way, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing. Even life forevermore. Church, the central truth that I want us to hear, that I think we ought to hear, that the Lord is calling us to hear from this text for us today is that God blesses His people with unity. God blesses His people. It's a gift from Him. God blesses His people with unity. We need Him to do this. We need Him to provide this because apart from His intervention, we will remain divided. Apart from God's blessing, we will pursue personal interests above those of others. Apart from God's blessing, we will be quick to speak and slow to listen. 
that we will be eager to cast blame and slow to carry one another's burdens. We will practice injustice. We will support things like racism and we will dismiss those with whom we disagree. Apart from God's blessing, the agenda of the day will always remain me, myself, and I. Whatever I think, whatever I feel, whatever I want. It's in our fallen human sinful nature. But you see, during these periodic festivals, these annual festivals in Jerusalem, the Israelites were reminded that it isn't all about me. It's not all about them. It's about a God who has redeemed a people, a sinful people, to be his people by his grace, to know him and to serve him, to worship him, and not only to do so on an individual basis, but to do so together in community with fellow believers, a family of faith, so to speak, to come alongside others who have been called by the same God, redeemed by the same God, as God's people would ascend the hill known as Mount Zion up to Jerusalem. They were going there to worship the Lord. And as they journeyed to that place, and once they arrived there, they were surrounded by other people, other believers, from various tribes and towns who were also going there to worship the Lord. And even though they were fellow believers, fellow Israelites, and other converts to to faith in Israel's God, they weren't uniform, they weren't all the same. They were young and they were old. They were rich and they were poor. There were country folks and there were city folks. There were folks from the tribe of Benjamin and the tribe of, of Judah and Simeon and Levi, all different tribes coming together to worship the Lord. As believers gathered for worship at the temple of the Lord, there was a common experience that brought spiritual unity. And God's people know that spiritual unity is good. It's good. Spiritual unity is good. It's it's delightful. It's pleasant. It's refreshing. How good and pleasant it is. The Bible says, when God's people live together in unity. Some translations say dwell together. When brothers dwell together in unity. And this phrase recalls a couple Old Testament stories, a couple ancient stories Found in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 13, the story of Abraham and Lot, in Genesis chapter 36, the story of Jacob and Esau. And on both occasions, this phrase, brothers dwelling together, refers to relatives living in the same land. Not necessarily residing under the same roof, not in the same tent, but dwelling in the same region with common needs and interests being tackled together. Unity of purpose. Shared experience. And so when we come to Psalm 133, that's the biblical background for this expression that's used in verse 1, suggesting that God's people come together with common needs, with common interests, with shared commitments when they gather for the purpose of worshiping Him. There's a sense of unity among the worshiping community when they gather for the primary purpose of glorifying their God, and it's good. It's pleasant. It's delightful. You know, we see something similar at work among fans of the same sports team. We know this. There's a sense of camaraderie and fellowship among fans of the same sports team. You may have nothing else in common, but when you Alabama fans see another Alabama fan, you shout out to them. And when you Auburn fans see another Auburn fan, you see somebody with Auburn memorabilia on, you may know nothing else about them, but you shout at them. Some of you shout for both teams, right? You may have nothing else in common with someone, 
may be from Dothan, they may be from Birmingham, they may be from Tuscaloosa, they may be from Mobile. North, south, east, or west, you may know nothing else about them, but you can watch a game together with them and quickly cultivate a sense of unity and friendship with them over a shared and common experience. And friends, how much more should God's people share a sense of unity and friendship as recipients of mercy from the very same God? See, followers of Jesus Christ have a shared experience and a mutual concern for the things of God that set us apart as different, distinct from the rest of the world. See, spiritual unity is not only good and it's delightful, it's pleasant, but it's also something that sets God's people apart from the world. Spiritual unity sets God's people apart from the world. And in order to to make that point, David, the human author of this text, uses two Two similes for you grammar folks. Remember, a, similo, similo, a simile is a comparison uh, using the words like or as. And so here in Psalm 133, David writes, he says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Somewhat of a strange image, picture for us today, but a biblical picture that Israelite pilgrims were quite familiar with. This image recalls the ordination of Aaron and the priests with a special oil, a special blend of of oil that was only to be used for this purpose in order to set them apart for the spiritual ministry of the priesthood. The ordination consecrated both a people, the priest, and a place, the tabernacle, the place of, of worship, to facilitate the ongoing relationship between a holy and righteous and perfect God and a sinless people. See, the oil marked them for a distinct and special role in God's plans to rescue and be known by the world. And so the use of this particular image, this Picture here, like the anointing oil that flows down from the head to the beard to the collar of the priest, unity among God's people flows down from above. It flows down from God. It is from God on high and it is all-encompassing. And it sets us apart. It's intended to set us apart. It's intended to set us apart as different, distinct, given a special role in God's plans to rescue and be known by a people, to be known by the world. In other words, we are the plan. You've been made into a a holy nation, a, a royal priesthood, the Bible says. Set apart. Ambassadors for Christ. Proclaimers of the gospel. We are God's plan to share His name, His reputation, His gospel with the world. And church, this is what our Savior prayed for us. On the day before His death, Jesus prayed for his followers he prayed for his disciples he prayed that they would be protected from the evil one he prayed that they would be sanctified or set apart by the truth and he goes on in john chapter 17 verse 20 jesus prays he says my prayer is not for them alone it's not for the disciples alone father i pray also for those who will believe in me through their message pray for those that that hear and respond to the gospel Those that hear and respond to the truth about me, I'm praying for them that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
He says, I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know on the basis of their unity, on the basis of their oneness, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Church, may the spirit of the living God make us one so that the world will see us and know the love of Jesus. Friends, spiritual unity is good. Spiritual unity sets God's people apart from the world. And we also see clearly in this text that spiritual unity is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. The second simile is found in verse 3. Remember this psalm begins, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Verse 3, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. That's what it's like, the psalmist says. Again, a an image that requires some explanation. Hermon was a massive mountain in the northern part of the land, more than 9,000 feet above sea level, in an area that received much precipitation in the form of rain and dew and in the winter snow. Mount Zion, though, is a reference to the hill in Jerusalem, a much smaller mountain, so to speak. And it's more than a thousand, more than not a thousand, a hundred miles to the south. And so the dew of a Hermon cannot, did not, would not possibly fall on Mount Zion. Couldn't happen. See, unlike the harsh, dry, dry conditions around Jerusalem during the summer months, Hermon was known for lush conditions. The constant supply of dew that maintained the greenery throughout the dry months. And just as the dew of Hermon would refresh the region surrounding it, the gathering of God's people when they came together for worship was a blessing from God that refreshed His people. Friend, spiritual unity is a gift from God and this spiritual unity is most noticeable where God's people gather for worship. That's where this psalm ends. This unity that God has called His people to, that He provides as a blessing to His people, it's most obvious, it's most noticeable when God's people come together to worship Him. The truth is we have differences. We know this. In fact, even here this morning, if we were to have an open and honest conversation about all that's going on in the world today, and there's a lot going on, we would not agree about everything. If we were to have an open town hall style meeting about what we're hearing and seeing in the news today, we would likely hear a plethora of opinions represented in this room and suggestions for resolution moving forward. We're each operating from a different set of experiences. We're each operating from a different set of perspectives and in some cases even data. But when we come here, when God's people gather in His presence for the express purpose of worshiping Him, regardless of our political persuasions or our individual personalities, regardless of economic status, age, race, or gender, we stand together in unity as God's redeemed, saved by His grace and covered by Christ's blood. And the song declares, there in Mount Zion, there in that place where God's people come together, there in Jerusalem, there where God's faithful are gathered for worship, there the Lord bestows His blessing, even life forevermore.
So friends and followers of Christ, we're not gathered in Jerusalem this morning. You know this, we're gathered in Birmingham. But here we are in Birmingham, 2020. We're gathered here in North Shelby County, Alabama. But don't miss that we are gathered in Birmingham because of what happened in Jerusalem. We are gathered here today because another priest came. Another priest provided on our behalf. A great high priest came and fulfilled the ministry of the priesthood. The ministry of Aaron and every priest that followed pointed to this great high priest who not only gave a sacrifice in our place, but he became the sacrifice in our place. He became the perfect and spotless sacrificial lamb during one of these annual festivals in Jerusalem some 2,000 years ago. Friends, we are gathered here because of him. We're gathered this morning to worship him. We're gathered here to, to declare his greatness, to celebrate the blessing of life forevermore through faith in him. His name is Jesus Christ. And this morning he is calling us. He is calling every man, woman, boy or girl gathered in this place to devote ourselves to him. To give our lives to him. To live for his glory. To find life in him. So friend, devote your life to worshiping the Lord. Devote your life to worshiping the Lord. On an individual basis, certainly. As you walk with the Lord. As you bow before him in your heart. As you open his word. As you bow before him in prayer. As you seek to follow after him. But also in community as you come together with the people of God. You see, the reason that these ancient pilgrims could stand together in unity was because they were devoted to the same Lord. They were submitting to the same God. Let's acknowledge His greatness and let's receive His grace. Let's surrender and submit to Him. He is Lord of all and yet He's interested in a relationship with us. He knows us. He knows everything there is to know about us and He loves us with an unfailing love and He wants to be known by us. He offers eternal life to us. Such a gift is undeserved. We know this. The salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not by works. It's not something any of us deserve or could earn. And so when we receive this grace, when we recognize the extent of God's grace poured out upon us, the riches of His grace, then we're compelled to see one another as He has seen us. To be kind and patient with one another. To love and care for one another. To be at peace with one another and to live in such a way that the world is drawn to this gospel. Friends, may the spirit of the living God make us one so that the world will see us and know the love of Jesus. During Paul's imprisonment in Rome for proclaiming the gospel, for giving his life to spread this good news, he writes to the church during that time. He writes to the church in Ephesus. He writes the message we heard earlier in our worship service this morning. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You've received the calling to to follow Christ, to know that you're right with the Lord through Him. Live a life that reflects that calling. What does that look like? He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It says there is one body 
and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Friends, God blesses his people with unity. It's a gift from him, and he calls us to practice unity. It's a blessing, a gift from him, but he calls us to, to live it out, to conduct ourselves in a manner fitting with what he has given us and done for us. Our God's character and his work of salvation call us to stand together in unity as his people. So church, let's, let's pray for that. Let's pray for God's spirit to unite his people. Let's pray that the spirit of the living God would draw his people together, would unite us in peace and love and kindness toward one another that's fitting for followers of Jesus. In a day of deep divisiveness and great disunity across this city and our nation, let's pray that the Lord would make his people one. Church, let's pray that the the bride of Jesus Christ would heed the Spirit's words through Paul to the church in Philippi and that we would indeed conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. That we would conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel and that we would stand firm in one spirit, Philippians 1.27, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. So would you pray in that way with me this morning? Do you join me in praying God's people would stand together, that the Spirit would unite His people around the gospel of Jesus Christ? Father, we cry out to You today. We cry out to You now, Lord, to make us one. Lord, to draw us together as brothers and sisters in Christ who've been saved by the same grace, Lord, who've been covered by the same blood, Lord, who bow before the same Father, who worship the same Savior, Lord, who are filled with the same Spirit, may we be one. Lord, may followers of Jesus from every nation, tribe, people, and language, every race, every age, Lord, may we stand together, loving one another, known by our love in such a way as spread your gospel. Until Jesus... Our King and Savior comes again. It's in His name that we pray. Amen.